drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. This the This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. You I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtside Heat, CourtsideHeat.com, and we are back with our podcast episode. It's been a while. Our last shooting was Wednesday, this past Wednesday. My apologies for Thursday and Friday, but I got one of the biggest announcements that can be happening right here, right now for the Courts of Heat podcast and just CourtsofHeat.com in general. And that's the fact that I was on someone's podcast. It's supposed to be coming out on this upcoming Wednesday or Thursday. We're still working all out, guys, because I've been doing a lot of podcasting work with someone. So more details will be on that. But yeah, that was pretty much my Friday because now there's going to be, I apologies. Uh, There's going to be a special guest on my podcast come this Friday, which is in five days. So do not miss it. It's going to be really exciting, really cool. When our podcast segment comes out, his podcast, I'm going to start hyping up mine just because I want you guys to check out his and mine because it's really cool. And I'm just going to keep talking about this until it. I'm going to start revealing more and more details as we get closer to release date. But yeah, uh, podcast work has been done. I've been a guest on his podcast and he's going to be a guest on mine. So I'm excited for that. And without further ado, that is the biggest announcement that I currently have for today's podcast episode. Now, you can find us on courtsideheat.com. You can find us on Instagram.com slash courtsideheatNBA, Twitter.com slash courtsideheat, Facebook.com slash courtsideheat, and then Tumblr.com. If anybody uses Tumblr still, we got Tumblr.com slash courtsideheat. And without further ado, the NBA season kicked off yesterday. Well, the preseason portion, we saw Nets at the Los Angeles Lakers. So without further ado, let's kick right off to the top plays, the top moments from that game. Quite a few of them. THT throw it down. The Vinide. Ayayi that time. Thomas up it goes and down it goes. Bottom of the well. His great career. Oh, look at Nunn crossing him over with the offhand. The scoop and the score by Kendrick Nunn. Friday. Lob to DJ. Assist to Baysmore. Throw it down. The Nets beat the Lakers 123 to 97. And that was their away game. So that's their first game of four games in this preseason bout. In this entire preseason, let me actually make sure that I got that correct. And yeah, they got three more games. Their next game is scheduled for October 8th, then October 11th, then of course October 14th. Before they get a five-day break until they face the Milwaukee Bucks at a away game uh, to start off, the reg- uh, start off their regular season. So this game was really cool. I did not watch it. That was yesterday. That happened at 12.30. I meant to send a pullout about that game, but that's okay because I was watching highlights. I was, pardon me, I was watching the recaps of that game. I was watching all this different types of stuff. I read the recaps, and the one name that stuck out to me during their uh, win over the Los Angeles Lakers was not Mark Aldridge. Not Paul Millsap, not Javon Carter, not Bruce Brown, but the rookie, Cameron Thomas. Cam Thomas was drafted this uh, this past uh, draft, the 2021 NBA draft, with the 27th overall pick in the draft, right? First rounder. And he put up some impressive numbers. 21 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists, all in 22 minutes. 
The rookie got it done. That was followed up by Paul Millsap averaging a double-double. 10 points, 10 rebounds, 18 minutes. Love to see that. Then Javon Carter had 8 points and 2 assists. Um... You also saw David Duke. David Duke is also putting up some impressive stats. He had 13 points and 7 rebounds in 31 minutes. He is also um he was also part of 2021 NBA draft. However, David Duke went undrafted, so they were able to uh pick him up. Hopefully, he's going to be someone coming off the bench. And for fun fact, he's all he's a sibling. He's the brother of Tyshawn Alexander, who was drafted in the twenty twenty draft. Who's a part of, um, wow, okay, so he's part of Phoenix. Okay, he was part of Phoenix, right? So that who that's who David Duke is. We only saw Bruce Brown, no, uh, regular to Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn knows who he is. Uh, he actually averaged 12 points with three rebounds and two assists. That's not bad. That's not a bad opening night for him. But the biggest stud of them all on the Brooklyn uh, Nets side would have been Cam Thomas. That's a nice way to kick it off, especially against the Lakers. As the Lakers' biggest guy was Malik Monk. Can you guys believe it or not? In 21 minutes, he put 15-2-1. He was leading the charge today as THT, uh, THT, Talon Horton, Tucker followed it up with 10 points. And then Wayne Ellington followed it up with 11 points. But there we saw with the charge, Malik Monk, the former Shaw Hornet, the 23-year-old. He was the former 11th overall pick out of the first round in the 2017 NBA draft. He was considered a steal as many uh, teammates believed that Monk, it, that the Lakers, that they saw it was going to be hard for the Lakers to get Monk because Monk was going to come out. They saw he was going to perform. He saw he was going to hit the market and go to a different team. So they were very pleased and shocked at the same time that he lasted that long for them to pick him up. And already, even though that they lost, he had a great showing offensively and defensively for the stat sheet and for that team. And he's going to get some solid, solid minutes. As their next game comes up October 6th, that's going to be a playoff rematch um, against the Phoenix Suns. They're going to go on the road into Phoenix. And then, of course, they're going to pick up another road game against the Warriors. That was a playing tournament game last season. And then, of course, their final game is going to be against the Suns. But they're going to be at home for that one October 10th. And then, yeah, then they're going to be back. Oh, I'm sorry. Then they got two more games against the Warriors, then against the Kings. Then up on October 19th, we have the Warriors-Lakers meeting October 19th, 7 p.m. Arizona time. But yes, that was your plays for, uh, top plays from the game. And now is your recap uh, brought to you by Courtside Heat. I I I I felt as though I should say brought to you by because like, hey, do you know like every time like, recaps are done they're brought to you by like X sponsor or you're they're brought to you by the NFL Network or something just using them as like a common example I find that really funny but also like I really shouldn't be shocked right that I just used it there it just sounded really good for me to say oh brought to you by that just seems really really nice to say especially when you're giving out um all these different highlights on video and of course over audio and since we're going to jump right into this podcast episode let's just break it down by saying you can still find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, uh tune in iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible and everywhere else you get your podcast from. And yeah, without further ado, let's jump right into this podcast episode and start off let's just get the vaccine conversation taken care of a lot happened over the weekend a lot happened uh even friday you consider that the weekend as andrew wiggins 
Devin Booker, Trey Burke, all are showing up in this COVID vaccine crazy news, right? Um, Devin Booker, we're going to start off him. Phoenix Suns superstar. We all know about him. We all know the amazingness he had last season. He missed his start in training camp because of COVID-19 because he actually contracted symptoms of COVID. And that put him out. That put him into the health and safety protocols. Long story short, we didn't know if he was vaccinated or not, what his intentions were. Well, while he was on his live, while he was streaming, he did confirm that, yes, he did have COVID. And, yes, he did take the vaccine. Now, he is vaccinated. So, he's now protected against COVID. And now we have that confirmation between, I guess, between him and pretty much everyone that listens to his streams. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he gets a few thousand to like, like who? How? How? How many people do you guess? Like how many people would you guess that would listen to his streaming? Like listen to his stream videos. And I don't know if he's like on Twitch or whatnot. I don't know. But you have to imagine it's gonna be like a few thousand, easily, easily. But yeah, he's confirmed. He's confirmed that he's a vaccinator. That he has been vaccinated. But yeah, it's, it was pretty fast for him, too, since the start of training camp to now to beat COVID. So that's nice. I was not in health safe protocols for long. He was able to get cleared, and now he's able to practice with his team again before their upcoming bout. Is that today? Was that today, October 4th? I know there's a long list of games. Let me pull this up. I knew I should just look this up, but I saw I knew. Just give me one minute, and... Yeah, tomorrow, uh, today, 7 p.m., Suns, Kings. Suns go on the road against Sacramento. That should be a good one. I would say look out for rookies that the Suns drafted, but that's just a thing. Uh, the Suns did not draft anyone except Landry Shaman when they traded him and, and gave away uh, Javon Carter. Also look out for Jalen Smith. He's going to try to keep a roster spot. He's going to try to keep his dominance. I guess as a third string center, as like a back of back of power forward, right? But yeah, so watch out for that. We got tons of matchups. And yeah, we're going to come back because my, my pretty much what I'm going to be doing with these top plays of the game from the game, right? It's just picking the top game and giving like a few highlights that you can listen to, right? That will pretty electrify the game, sum up the game. Ryan, who won? I'm going to add that in. So instead of like having announcements or addition to the announcements, that's what we're going to be seeing from now on. That's how we're going to cover the games, like recap them. So you guys, just in case you miss it and you want to get on the action, that's how you do it. Within the first minutes of the podcast, it's so much better than hearing me talk about social media talking about the podcast like you know like where to find it you guys already know where to find me so spicing it up in different ways is really really nice too and before i pivot anymore let's get back on the track that was devin booker now andrew wiggins i actually put out a really cool polls about who's gonna get vaccinated first uh Kyrie or Andrew Wiggins. And Andrew Wiggins came out to say that he is publicly vaccinated. That he is vaccinated. And we ran a poll and I asked who's going to be the first to get vaccinated. Kyrie, Andrew Wiggins, neither or for fun, just get vaccinated. Capitalize now. Like I just capitalized the word now. Bolded that now. And 11% of you said Kyrie, 0% said uh, Andrew Wiggins, 78% said neither, 11% just said get vaccinated now. So, for the 78% that said neither, I knew one of them was going to get vaccinated, but I saw it was actually going to be Kyrie first, but no, Andrew Wiggins stepped up to the mound and said, you know what? I'm just gonna get vaccinated. We do. Not, I do not know his reasons behind it. I just know that he's vaccinated. So after a failed religious exemption like um, request, um, he is now just giving into the vaccine. Like you know, I'm just gonna take it. Cause he doesn't want to miss out on that 15 million. Cause that was gonna be a repercussion if he did not take the vaccine. Couldn't post 41 home games. Pretty much is gonna be a liability to his team essentially. 
he was pretty much just going to have to forfeit $15 million. Then, of course, there's going to be the same rules applied to Kyrie. But I thought it was interesting on the poll. But Andrew Wiggins is now vaccinated. But even though he's gotten vaccinated, you may or may not be a fan of this guy. You may or may not know who this guy is. Or you're just like, oh, what's the significance with him? But we have Maverick's own Trey Burke. And Burke actually says that he is standing on his own freedom of choice in the rejection of the COVID vaccine. And Dallas, since he plays in Dallas, Texas, he does not have to take the vaccine. That is not mandated, right? The NBA never mandated for players. And the state of Texas, uh, Dallas, Houston, uh, Austin, right? None of those uh, cities and or state has mandated uh, vaccines. Governor Abbott, uh, Abbott, I, pro- I apologize if I mispronounced his name wrong, but the governor of Texas has banned vaccine mandates along with the governor of Arizona, Florida, different places like that. But yeah, because like, like I've always said, like the people's situation has been different. Take Jonathan Isaac against Kyrie Irving. I've talked about that before. It's very different because we actually know that, well, one, local officials and state officials would say, well, we're going to mandate getting vaccine. And that will limit or that will pretty much limit you on what you can do or not do, i.e. if your job requires you to get vaccine, if uh, grocery stores. So I'm just using different examples, right? So in Jonathan Isaac's um, viewpoint, he's from Florida. He's got that option. Like, there's no vaccine mandate. In California, New York, you kind of have to abide by those rules uh, that was put forth by their governor, mayor, or whatever the case may be. Right? So, two different standpoints. So, for Trey Burke, he's fine to say, nope, I'm not going to take the COVID vaccine. And that's where he's going to be at. Is he right? Is he going to be wrong? He's just going to have to listen to strict rules and hear by them. And honestly... And whatever makes these guys comfortable. But he at least he gave another logical reason. We don't know the reason to Angel Wiggins getting vaccinated. But as I but as I previously said um, on Twitter, that these guys will go where the money speaks. That they're not going to, like, um, for some guys, especially when the COVID vaccine's on the line. Uh, I'm trying to pull back the tweet. Um, yeah, I, this is what I said. No play, no pay, right? Because it was because NBA spokesman Mike Bass said any player who likes not to comply with local vaccination mandates will not be paid for games that he misses, which is 100% fair, right? Why should he get paid if he misses? It's the same thing with Ben Simmons. I like guess two different scenarios, but if you don't pay, play, you don't get paid. And that's why I said regarding to that. And then, no play, no pay. As simple as that. Will the money talk for most parts and getting the vaccine? Only time will tell. But look at Kyrie, truly. He went from a no to maybe. I asked her a tour question, why? Because these guys like going where the money pays. And that was one of the leading factors. And maybe from some social pressure or pressure of any kind from his teammates, city, different things like that. Family maybe, friends, co-workers, which I guess will be his team. Different things like that for Andrew Wiggins. And of course, we see Kyrie's situation. Um, Mayor Bill Di- uh, uh, Mayor of New York. Uh, actually reached out to Kyrie and just say you vaccinated the fans and the team needs you right they want to see you blah 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 just different types of things so yeah it's really interesting the money is also going to play a huge part money's always played a huge part in how an NBA player looks at their time values their time values their skill so money is going to be a big place like the destination right I also believe that Kyrie's going to actually get the vaccine. So, Andrew Wiggins has fallen in line. He's going to... He's already gotten the vaccine. Should we be surprised? I don't know. Again, that's just a personal choice. That's a choice he had to make between uh, playing games and being paid money. Or 
uh, sacrificing himself, the money, and potentially his team, as they were hoping from, I think Stephen Curry wanted him to get vaccinated, wanted him to come around, so now that distraction's out, now it'll just play like normal. So, that was the vaccine. That's all the COVID updates. There was nothing really too much to it, right? We know all the guys that was in opposition. Michael Porter Jr. said he wasn't going to get the vaccine. So, a lot of that 10%, guys, are really, um, or I guess now 5%. Because someone said around the league, there was these rumors that, or reports, either way, that 95% or roughly 2 percent 95% of the league is now vaccinated. So, now we had this uh, local, like, minority 5%. Which would still be Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving, Trey Berg, Michael Porter Jr., Jonathan Isaac. Right, I'm pretty sure there's all these different types of guys. But yeah, those are the known guys. Um, Andrew Wiggins is vaccinated. Daniel Booker has made a choice to become vaccinated, right? So, that is where we'll be at now. Non-COVID related, we have Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay... Um, Long time Spurs, as you guys can remember, uh, he now plays with the he now plays for um, the Utah Jazz, right? Yeah, Utah Jazz, and of course he played his career for the Grizzlies, Kings, um, Toronto for a season, I believe, and of course we saw with the Spurs, and he had a few cha- he had like a championship or two out of there, right? So now, there's actually injury news relating to Rudy Gay. Gay is dealing with a left heel injury, and he has stayed amidst the entire preseason. So about four games for the Jazz. But he's now going to be missing the beginning of the NBA season. We don't have a timeline of how many weeks or games he's going to be missing in the regular season. We just know for the opening portion of the NBA season, he's going to be missing some games. He's going to be missing some weeks. So, there's gonna, I believe, so there's just going to be a, those lingering effects. We have no idea how bad the left heel injury is. We don't know if it's severe, mild, not really anything right. We just know that he's having his injury. He's going to be missing a lot of games preseason and regular season. And... The Jazz would just have to try to truck through that as they've been dealing with a lot of injuries last season as well as looking to be in this season. They're just happy that Rudy uh, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Connolly, none of those guys went down, right? Those are your stable guys. Those are what you're known for. Those three guys, your core guys. Of course, what the Jazz are comprised of and uh, different things like that. So, that that obviously hurts, but that's to be expected now with the NBA. Just with all these injuries, just getting these guys back to the swing of it after having like three or four months off, depending on how far you went to the postseason, right? Now, if you didn't get to the postseason, you had a lot of recovery time, a lot of time just to think, just wait around, strategize for next season, different things like that. But yeah, that is where we would be at with the injuries and whatnot. It stinks to see Rudy go be- uh Rudy Gay like that. He's thirty five years old. He's still putting significant numbers in the minutes that he's given. Like take last year, he averaged eleven points, five rebounds, and one assist per game of twenty one minutes, twenty one and a half minutes. So he's always been still keeping in shape. He's still been attacking it. He has seen decline, but again. He is 35 years old. He's no LeBron James. It's not like he's putting a million dollars into his body per year and taking what LeBron does and just, yeah, he's not LeBron. So, because LeBron, he's 36 years old. I guess there's a one-year difference. Same with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is 34 years old. And they're just all keeping their body um, in different shapes, different ways, right? It's keeping healthy. Kawhi's 30 years old, right? Paul George is 31 years old, right? But, yeah, Rudy Bear has tanked a little bit in stats for sure. But here's the thing. He's still very effective on the stat sheet and just being with his team and whatnot. 
So as things go, I'm not too concerned about it. I'm hoping that he is going to be here um, very soon. If I'd expect his heels, heels can be a big thing to the NBA world, right? It's part of your foot, so we kind of need that. I would think that he will miss like about two to three weeks, combined preseason, regular season, right? Right, so that's what I'm thinking. That's what my mind's going for right now. And trust me, I'm no doctor. I'm like no expert in those fields, right? I'm just giving you my projection. I'm just giving you my prediction. What my uh, hypothetical like reality could be, right? What I think it could be. I'm not saying that's what it's going to be. I can't tell you if it's going to be shorter than that, longer than that, or spot on. That's why I'm just going to point it as... Because I believe it could be fair analysis, right? It could be a fair uh, a chart to give, uh, a timeline to give. But yeah, I don't know how impactful that's going to be for the Jazz. Only time will tell. Now, um, the Jazz's head coach, Quinn Snyder, and everyone else on a coaching staff We'll be able to figure that out. We'll be able to figure out what to do, how to make those game time adjustments, how to make those pre-planned adjustments without any problems, in my opinion. And that's why that's why I expect and that's why I hope to see because the Jazz, to me, are a really good team when healthy. And I believe they make the correct adjustments even when not healthy. They can even prevail for that and actually win good, solid basketball games. Especially in this A2 season's coming up. We have not had that in two seasons now. So that is something that's going to have to be taken into consideration. That's going to be something that's going to have to be taken into serious, serious development, contention, and just thoughtful planning and just thinking. And yeah, different things like that. Like just being plain and simple, the fundamentals are going to be so key because... You have to worry about your body's condition, about just conditioning everything, just to stay part, just staying up to the course of the challenges of what an 82 season will bring again. That's going to bring fatigue. That's going to bring heavy conditioning. That's going to bring fundamentals back. That's going to bring injuries. It's going to bring all these different positives and negatives, right? Now, now, there are some good news to an 82-game season because you you can now say to yourself, okay, wait a minute. We can better plan this. We don't have to feel rushed. We could do player management better because now we don't have to be worried about condensed seasons to where every game's impacting us. Sure, that is what 82-game seasons, but um, it's a little more manageable, right? It's not as big of a predicament as a 35-game season or, or a 44-game season, right? Or 68-game season, 72-game season, right? I get there's only like a 10-game difference going down, but still, there, there, there's more resting opportunities. There's just more times to, I guess, have better moments, better quality, and just being able to build on that chemistry, because the more games and more you're able to review film, we're able to just record everything that you see through the game in real time and just reading off the tapes and whatnot, that can help for planning and that can help in the future a lot. So there are some pros and cons to that. But yeah. Now, if you're the Washington Wizards, every game does count. If you're the Washington Wizards, every game has to count because of the team you have. This is a time of of landscaping the market, of seeing the trades, right? Of seeing what how your players and what your players are feeling and what they want to do with their uh, hopes and aspirations for the future. Sometimes you have to dish out money. Sometimes you have to sacrifice pieces. Sometimes you just have to say, well, that is that. But not with the Wizards. The Wizards have a game plan that they want to make work. And even though they lost Russell Westbrook, which was inevitable, neither side was going to be coexistent for the next season, right? It just was not going to happen in simplistic terms. Now, with Bradley Beal, they've decided to present him a four-year, $181.5 million contract 
to stay with him. Just to stay with the team. Because Brian Bill right now is in his prime. Or getting to his prime. As he is 20 years old. Um... Yeah, he's 28 years old, so four years, he'll be 32, 33 years old. And he's averaging 30 points per game. Since 2019 campaign, he's been putting 30 plus points up per game. Since 2018, he's been pulling up 25 and a half points per game. So it is incredible to see. And he is relatively healthy. Because when this when the NBA had a full 82 game season, uh he played all all he had two full healthy seasons, 82 game seasons. So he's healthy as things go. He could take he can take pain, he could take frustration, he could do all these different obstacles, he could get through all of these different variables pretty nicely, pretty good. So I'm not worried about that. I don't think the franchise worried about that either because you because it does make sense why they want to do it. Because here's why. The team knows if they can't retain Brad Bill, their best player is going to be gone. And while you still have Thomas Bryant, Roy Hachimori, Kyle Kuzma, I'm sorry I have to put him down. But yes, Kyle Kuzma, um, all these different guys, Seth Curry, I believe. Um, with, all, with all these different guys, Brad Bill was the main guy. They thought that Russell Westbrook and Brad Bill was going to work out. However, that just could not happen because we all know who Russell Westbrook is as a professional basketball player and as a human being. And I don't know how anybody can coexist with that man. But we know why now he went to the Lakers because the Lakers are like, well, Braun's going to handle him. He's not going to act up for Braun. And that's very true. It's very true. But yeah, it's going to be very concerning to see he's been presented with that offer. We have no idea if he's going to decline it, hold out for a better offer from other teams or just uh, with his current team, the Washington Wizards. I'm actually looking up his contract situation right now because that's pretty important to understand. No, he originally signed a two-year contract uh, worth $70 million dollars. Two years ago, right? It ends in 2023. So this will be a huge contract extension for him. Where you're doubling your money to adding $40 million on top of it. $40 million and a half dollars extra. That's huge. That is huge. That would be his biggest salary of his career, if I'm not mistaken. But I wouldn't be surprised if the nine-year vet was able to squeeze that out. Brad Bill has been a phenomenal player and sometimes under uh, undervalued because of where he's at. He loved Washington. And we've seen, and I've talked about it before, with the, uh, with the prior head coaches now, right, to now, to the new head coach, through all the player changes, through the ins and outs, for all the devastating losses, to the one trip of the postseason, Right, it's been tough. We all know the painful road, but he's been so loyal that they're like, okay, let's give it to a guy that's worth it. So keep keep an ear out, keep an eye out for this news. We'll keep talking about it because this is such a significant piece of news, not only for Washington fans, but for the entire NBA. Because imagine if he's like, you know what, my loyalty, my allegiance to this team has brought me nothing besides a few postseason runs. And just emptiness. Let me go take my talent somewhere else. Imagine who would want to pick him up. Imagine somebody picking him up and be like, we can utilize you better. We can give you everything you want. Contracts, more money, better opportunities at the game of basketball. Especially in postseason. Especially with the way the Wizards have been up and down. So it's not like this is a sealed deal done deal right uh this not like it's a seal done uh seal deal right here there's still so many variables i wouldn't be surprised if he held out um instead of rejecting or off or accepting that uh contract offer if he would just wait and say you know what let's test the waters let's see how um confident one is heading into the season after the all-star break 
or before the All-Star break, or 20 games before the pro season. Let's just evaluate records. Let's let's evaluate how each teammate's doing. I think that would be something very curious, very interesting to see during the season if he decides to uh, postpone the contract, if he wants to put a freeze on that contract, not to reject it, not to accept it, but just to look at options, look at varieties and what people could be offering him and what he thinks his worth is. But yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting. But yeah, that's where I'm at with everything. Now, if you guys have like different viewpoints on this topic, ran for the other topics we've talked about, remember just to hit us up on any of our social media's account, any of our social media accounts, like on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, or if you guys want to text the Quartz Heat text line, 602-791-2108, let us know your feelings on it because... Yeah, just so many different angles this can be looked at. So many different perspectives. So many different viewpoints, bold points that could could be given or could be have a lens through, right? But without further ado, that's all I have on the breaking news side. This is a very short breaking news section. If I don't, if you um, if I don't mind to say right, uh, because. Normally, we have so much more to talk about, but I guess with us jumping to the NBA and everything, there's not that much news. I keep talking about the COVID-19 vaccine and like the NBA and whatnot, how it correlates and whatnot. But the problem here is that I've already done that and there's like no more news. I mean, like we we knew that Kyrie or Andrew Wiggins was going to submit to the vaccine or we knew that different guys are going to have different opinions Right, but now we just be talking about the same old, same old. Like we know that there's a group that wants the vaccine, a group that does not want the vaccine. But you know what? Without further ado, let's jump away from the breaking news. We're gonna wrap up that segment of this beautiful podcast, and now we're gonna finish up our series because since I was not available Thursday or Friday due to time time constraints, let's finish it now. Let's finish the series, and that series was talking about the toughest division in the entire NBA. I'm gonna separate this into two divisions. I'm gonna I'm gonna separate this into two conferences. I'm gonna go from there. Okay, so the for first, I'm gonna start with the Western Conference. The toughest division would be the Pacific Division, and that has Phoenix, the Clippers. The Lake Show, the Dub, uh, the Golden State Warriors, and the Sacramento Kings. So the Kings are not relevant. I'm gonna exclude them. But the Warriors, Clippers, uh, Lakers, and Suns all have firepower. Like the Lakers are going top notch. Like it's World War Three type of firepower, right? Like, they're going, they're bringing everyone in. They're recruiting everyone. They're getting ready for battle. Say on the Clippers, they've added Eric Bledsoe. They added different players. Um, the Warriors did so, too. They're just strengthening. They got Clay Thompson coming back. They got James Wiseman coming back. They got all these different players. And so, when you're bringing all that firepower into it, who's going to stop them? You know how Minnesota can't stop any of these teams. OKC Thunder certainly can't. Uh, Portland could give a fight to it, but they don't. They're not really a defensive team, so they can't really stop the on uh on on offense on from their opponent's side of the court. Right then, you come down to Denver. Denver, they might put up a fight, but in the end, 9 out of 10 of times, you're going to see the Pacific Division, like the Suns, like the Clippers, like the Lakers, like the Warriors, all put a smashing on them, or at least a beating, or at least a victory over them, right? In Utah, right, they could do it. They could, like, beat out the Kings. They could probably beat out the Clippers. But if there's, like, a best of seven, we saw that from last season, and not everyone was healthy, I get that. But still, the Clippers still won that. 
And the Jazz also had struggles against different uh, different pieces, right? So they just struggled a lot. And I get it. There was all these different moving factors, all these different moving pieces. I get that. I'm not going to discredit that, but still. The Jazz may win a game or two, but in the end, like any team for the Pacific Division is just going to crush them. And when you look at Dallas, Memphis, San Antonio, the uh, the Pelicans, or Houston, Houston, the Pelicans, they're rebuilding. They're trying to find their own uh, own identity. They're trying to find their dynasty path. Oh, he's a path to victory, right? The Spurs are the middleman. They got pieces to win games, but they're not going to outfight the outlast or, or I guess. Uh, keep away the onslaught of the Warriors. They got too many in, uh instant killers on that team. Same with the Lakers. Same with the Phoenix Suns. They just couldn't put up a fight that much. Like they can like survive a quarter or two, but not the entire game. Their just team would just be uh too weak for it. I'm just saying now. If you're saying like the Pelicans, the Kings. The Minnesota Timberwolves, sure. Portland, sure. Portland, then will put up a good contested fight. I have no doubts in my mind. Um, but if you're looking at that, then Memphis, they're good, but they're not good enough. John Morant's good, but he can't go toe for toe against uh against Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, Andrew Wiggins. No, he can't. He can do higher moves. He can do higher reels on him. Dunk to the cows come home, but that's not going to win him games. You could say, well, if Stephen Adams against James, we- James Wiseman could be a home run for Memphis. I don't disagree. But then when you got to mess with Draymond Green, that's a whole different side of the story that you really do not want to get into. So there's all these different pros and cons, but... They're taking it just from a Warriors perspective, a Lakers perspective, any of those two teams, Clippers perspective, Suns perspective. The Pacific Division just seems so much more tough. Because then when you get down to Dallas, Dallas is trying to find their footing. Jason Kidd's the first-year head coach with Dallas, trying to mentor Dallas, trying to lead them to a championship, at least to a postseason that goes deeper than the first or second round. And then, because you just got Luka Doncic, you, you got Richardson, you got Block now, you got all these different pieces, you're trying to mesh them together. You're still trying to get Chris out Porzingis, right? So you have all these different pieces. I just did. I just don't think Luka Doncic could go toe-to-toe with anyone, and he'll probably win. But what about the rest of the locker room? What about what about the rest of the roster? Probably not. Probably not. And so putting that into perspective, Josh Richardson's good. Reggie Bulk's more of a defensive player, but he's very talented. It just he couldn't survive Damian Lillard. Nor Rope Bullock, nor Um Richardson, right? That's just quote our truth. Now Luka Doncic. He can win every single time, and he won't even care. That's called a wor- as I called a morning workout for him. That's called like an appetizer for him. He could do that to Curry. He could torch Curry. He could torch Thompson. He could torch Dame Time. He could torch uh, RJ Barry. He could torch whoever he wants. It's just about what he feels like doing. It's his will and how much mercy he'll give to his opponents, to opposing like one on ones. Right to individuals of any kind, right? It just depends on what he's feeling and how he's feeling it. So then, when so we picked out the Pacific Division for the Western Conference. Now, if you come over to the Eastern Conference, it may not be as simple. It may not be as simple. So, looking at the Atlantic Division, Central Division, and Southeast Division, let's start out with the Atlantic. They got Philly, Brooklyn, New York, Boston, Toronto. Toronto's still trying to find their footing. After having uh, Kawhi leave, um, Abaka leave, all these different guys coming in and out, they're trying to rebuild, they're trying to find something that's meaningful again, that will give them a boost of energy, 
that would just bring their level to next level. That would bring their team to next level. So they're going to be out. They, to me, are not going to be contenders. But looking at Boston, New York, Brooklyn, and Philly, Philly, even without Ben Simmons, is a good team. They're team-worthy. They're, they're team-worthy to be called an opponent, to be called an adversary, to be called an obstacle like in the road. On the road. But Brooklyn and New York are gaining pieces. Same with the Celtics. Those three teams right there have gained pieces, have improved on pieces, have improved on their skill set, improved on their chemistry. Just take a look at the Knicks. They had a Kemba. They had all these different guys. Look at Boston. They're solidifying everything. They just are. They're adding bench pieces. They added Dennis Schroeder, who's going to be great being a backup. They have just given huge contracts to different players. DeMarcus Smart and Robert Williams. They're figuring out their team now. Yudoka is going to be good for the Celtics. He was a former assistant head coach for, it was either Brooklyn or the Spurs. I want to go to the Spurs, but you guys get where I'm coming from. You guys get where I'm trying to drive that. It's just going to be very, very interesting what we all see this playing out. I would love to say the Atlantic's it, but when we go down to Central, you look at Central, you got the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indianapolis Pacers, the Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, Detroit Pistons. Then you look at the Southeast, you got the Atlanta Hawks, the Miami uh, Heat, the Charlotte Hornets, the Orlando Magic. So the teams that are not going to be effective that much in this po- in this like regular season in the Eastern Conference. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Like Detroit, no, not really. Uh, Orlando, eh. Washington could be iffy. Um, Cleveland can be good if they make the right decisions and they play very well, right? The Indianapolis Pacers, Indiana Pacers really scare me. Like that indie team really scares me because they can be really good, really bad, or they can be in the middle. And I'm not, I'm not doing this off of records or where they're going to be stands. I talked about that before. I'm just saying, out of the best whole division, the only team that really highlights it for me in the central, the central division is the reigning NBA champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Southeast Division held by Atlanta and Miami. But right, that's going to be contenders. Those are two tough teams. Those are two hardworking teams. The two teams are figuring it out. Right? You got Eric Spolstra and Nate McMillan as head coaches. Then you got Jimmy Butler and Trey Young leading the pack, leading the charge. You got all these different weapons, all these different isolators, all these different shooters that can just kill on instinct, right? It's just their mentality. It's just the way that they play. That's why they go to the postseason. That's why they're a threat to humanity, right? In the NBA metaphorical sense, of course. So when I look at this, this is really hard. Like the Western Division, like the Western Conference, that was really easy to decide the Pacific Division. Because who's going to match Phoenix, Clippers, Los Angeles, Lakers, Golden State Warriors, right? I'm not even going to, I could add the uh, Sacramento Kings, because they're going to go wins and whatnot, so I'll add them. So they got Buddy Heald, they got all these different guys. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roll them out. They're not, they're not gonna be one of the most effective, well-oiled machinery like pieces, right? They're not gonna be that way. They're not gonna be like one of those heavy-duty things that just walk around acting like all buff and tough, right? Like rough, tough. Not nothing like that. But they're still gonna be a team to try to beat. They're still gonna try to put up a fight. Still got Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald, all those different guys. So it's just gonna be Desmond Bain. He's he's not bad, right? He had some good moments last season. So it's just all how we view each team and how each team strategizes. But who's gonna be the Pacific? No one. So that's why in that conference I chose Pacific. In the Eastern Conference, it's much harder. I would actually say it's between Atlantic and Central. Southeast, 
they're tough, but Washington, Charlotte, Orlando, when I, I see, that's when again, when I see the Charlotte Hornets, they got a metal ball, Gordon Hayward, all these different pieces that have actually make sense and actually have worked. Tarot year, right? You got all these different pieces and they added more through drafting and through trading and through signing and re-signing, right? So then, okay. Then when I look at Washington, they are, can be up and down with Thomas Bryant, with Roy Hachimori, with Bradley Beal, with all these different guys. It's just really crazy to say Kyle Kuzma. It's, like, it's, really, it's really crazy. So I'm going to roll with the Southeast. I'm, I don't think they're going to be the toughest division. I don't think they're going to be the best division in the entire conference, entire Eastern Conference. I'm actually going to give it to the Atlantic Division. Because you have Philly, Brooklyn, New York, Boston, and Toronto Raptors. You have um, Joel Embiid, the big free of Brooklyn. Um, the pieces are coming together in New York. Uh, you got Julius Randle, RJ Barrett there. You have, um, I'm bringing him more so I forget. You have Evan Fournay there. You have all these different guys, Nero Noel, Emmanuel Quickly, Mitchell Robinson, Derrick Rose, Campbell Walker. Right, that's a, that's a pretty solid core. Derrick Rose is going to be on the bench backing up Campbell Walker. He's still going to be a very effective shooter, a very effective player on the court. So do, don't even underestimate Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose's uh, talent on the bench. Just don't don't underestimate that. And then, of course, you come down to Boston with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Enes Kantar, uh, Robert Williams, Dennis Schroeder, all those different guys. Like, come on. That's going to be something very, very interesting. Payne Pritchard, all those different guys. I'm, I know Mark, Marcus Smart is going to be there. They got all these different guys. That's going to be something really incredible. That's just very loaded. So you have John B, the big free. Uh, Joyce Randall and his core. And you got Jason Tatum. And then, of course, you got Fred Van Fleet. Like, that's pretty stacked. You could legit make an entire team out of all of those pieces I just named off. Just alone in the Atlantic Division. That's why I believe the Atlantic Division is the most stacked team the most stacked division in the entire Eastern Conference. So, now moving on to our second part, and that would pretty much be um, the Atlantic Division against the Pacific Division. And that, who would win? Because you have Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors, Kings in the Pacific Division for the Western Conference. Then you have, for the Atlantic Division, you have Philly, Brooklyn, New York, Boston, Toronto. So I'm going to start with, I'm going to go off last year's standings. I'm going to take the worst teams against the worst teams. Just keep going up. So from fifth and rising up. Are you ready? And again, if you guys have any different, uh, have any different viewpoints on this, perspective outlines on this, remember to text us at Courts of Heat's text line 602-791-2108. Again, that's 602-791-2108. It will be down in the description below of the podcast in the show notes. So do not, do not, uh, do not, <laughs> uh, forget to do that. Because it'll be pretty cool to hear you guys' input, etc. But real quick, so you got Toronto against the Kings. And the Kings, just by looking at them and just by seeing their roster, of course you got Marvin Bagley, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald. Marvin Bagley is a bust. Darren Fox is good. Same with Buddy Heald. Harrison Barnes can be up and down. Howell Burns gonna be good. Like I, I'm really excited about how Davian Mitchell is gonna is good. Richon Holmes, he's okay. Alex Lynn, he's kind of okay. Tristan Thompson's the Kardashians gonna be okay. Right, so they could be up and down. The Kings are an interesting team. They got more bad than good. Right, they'll always be with the Kings. It just always will be. So, I would actually give it to Toronto. But why Toronto? 
It's not because they just have Fred Van Fleet, but they got... They have Fred Van Fleet, Precious, OJ Anabai, Scotty Barnes, um, Goran Dragic, uh, all these different guys, Pascal Siakam, all Gary Trent Jr. They got all these different guys. They would be able to smash the Sacramento Kings. So I would give them that. Now, moving on to Boston against the Golden State Warriors and taking their last, last year's uh, rankings and whatnot, divisional-wise. Uh, if everyone's healthy, I would take the Warriors because Curry's lights out. Thompson's lights out. Wiseman, he's going to be a tough, tough guy to try to get around. Because it's not going to be an easy basket. He may not have a lot of muscle, but he still knows how to box out. He still knows how to proper rebound, how to properly shoot, how to be a big man. Especially in the role that's going to be unique to the Golden State Warriors, right? And of course, you got Draymond Green. You got Andrew Wiggins. You got all these different guys. You got that bench. There's just a bunch of shooters. And while the Celtics have some really, really good lineups, and they're going to be very, very pushy in the season, to me, I would give it to the Warriors, hands down. The Warriors are just more athletic, better pure shooter, more athletic from the free, more crafty, more skilled in the majority of those departments on offense. Defense may go half and half or slightly to Boston, but in a shootout, it's always going to be the Warriors. In a pass out, always to the Warriors. No matter how good Jace Tatum is, no matter how good Jalen Brown is, Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Dennis Schroeder, like any of those guys, right? In a team as a whole, it's always going to be the Warriors, especially when they catch heat, especially when they feel momentum, especially when they know it's time. So that's how I'm feeling it. That's how I'm seeing it. Because it just, to me, it just seems as a truthful fact. It just really, really does. So I would take the Warriors. So right now, I'm going to do the ranking. I'm going to do the tally. So at the fifth spot, we have... Uh, Sacramento Kings against Toronto. At the fourth spot, we have Boston against the Golden State Warriors. So now it's tied one apiece. So now if we go to the third seed, which is the Lakers against the Knicks, the Lakers are just better stacked. But just because they're feeling that way, I'm not going to give it to the Lakers. Because there's too many factors of them. Age is one. Egos is is another one. How they're going to handle 82-game season. How they're all going to coordinate together. I think I'm very able to handle all of that. They're going to be one of the biggest freight trains in the world. They're going to be like one of the largest fridges in the world. Like talents in like the NBA world, right? They're just going to be competitive. But looking at it all, I would actually give it to the Knicks. Because they got the age in their favor. They got the mentality. They got the veteranist presence. They have everything figured out. And if injuries don't plague them. Or same from both sides. Then watch out. Because I actually believe Knicks are going to be better than the Lakers. Record wise, stat wise, and everything else. It's a very bold take. But that's how I'm going to how I'm gonna see it. Now. That's going to leave us with Atlantic um, to the one, right? So we've now ranked that. So it's two to one Atlantic. Now, Brooklyn against the Clippers. Oh, Brooklyn. If the big free plays, then you got Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, Cam Thomas, all these different guys. Uh, Marcus Aldridge. I think maybe Andre Drummond. I can't remember. Hold on. There's Andre John with the Lakers. I can't remember. It's one of two powerhouses. Let me check real quick before I start uh, just start talking about that. If it'll let me get to the roster. Oh, here we go. Bruce Brown is there. Uh, you got a big free, like I said. Joe Harris, right? Uh, Tyler Johnson. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Paul Millsap. Paul Millsap, who's I was thinking of. Yeah. DeAndre Bembry. Like, come on. That's going to be too stacked. Their bench is way better. 
way, 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 way better than the Clippers. Like, the addition of Eric Bledsoe is not going to change a lot. It's going to be Brooklyn without a shadow of a doubt. So that's going to be free one. And you bring Philly against, um, and then, so it's going to be free one on a division. And that would be silly for anybody to say, well, Brooklyn's going to fade out. They're not, because that big free, Joe Harris, um, Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap, Paul, uh, oh, what's their guy's name? Um, uh, Patty Mills. All those different guys are going to be very effective. Then Cam Thomas, if he keeps putting up those types of numbers, where he's able to be effective like that, like in shorter intervals, in shorter like sprint uh, stints. So, like, it's going to be really, really good. Now, the final team is going to be Philly against the Phoenix Suns. I'm taking Phoenix Suns because the Phoenix Suns have better chemistry uh, between head coaches and players, players and players, head coaches and their coaching staff than Philly will ever have. Right, you won't have these disputes, you won't have these dramas in the background. Devil Booker is a way better shooter than Tobias Harris, and then Ben Simmons, if he was playing, DeAndre Ain may not be able to take Jerome Bead, but as a team collectively, Javel McGee's gonna be able to put a stop into him. That's why they signed him. Like, then you have Chris Paul. And you got all these different guys. You, you then you have Cameron Payne. You got uh Cam Johnson. You got all these different guys. It would just be really, really stupid for someone to say Philly's gonna be out Phoenix in a matchup like ten out of ten times. Like nine out of ten times, Philly will lose that matchup. And nine out of ten times you'll see Phoenix win that matchup. And that's how I truly feel. Because Phoenix is just a better team. So, it would actually be free to Atlantic, though. So, while Pacific loses, there's just, to me, there's just free better teams that could take out the Pacific Division. But by going conference by conference, Eastern Conference is controlled by the Atlantic. The Western Conference is going to be controlled by the Pacific. That's how I'm going to see it. That's how I'm going to see it. Not going by off of records. Not going by off of statistics and what they're going to be, right? But going by team by team, performance by performance. Going by just player by player analysis and breakdown and just comparison. I would give that matchup every single time to Atlantic. But Philly's not better than Phoenix. Brooklyn's better than the Clippers. New York's going to beat out the Los Angeles Lakers. That's my hot take. That's my bold take. Um, Warriors are better than the uh, Celtics. And the Kings must bow down to the Raptors because the Raptors are better, right? That's how I just view it. That's how I view it. Now, if we want to switch that up and we want to say, well, how about Knicks against Phoenix? I would still take Phoenix, right? How about Philly against uh the Warriors? Again, I'll take the Warriors. What about Lakers against um Brooklyn? I would actually give that to Brooklyn. I don't I don't know. That would be a tough one. That was supposed to be like a dream match made in heaven NBA final series. But I kinda like the Bucks against the Suns. It was someone different, right? But you guys get what I'm talking about. So, it's all interesting how we always look at it. But that was the series. That's the wrap of our series. So, the most dominant team in, in the entire NBA, the most dominant uh, division, rather, would be the Atlantic Division. And of course, it would be in each divi- uh, each conference. What, Eastern Conference, Atlantic. Western Conference, Pacific. Overall NBA, Atlantic Division. That's the toughest division. That is just, that's just it. And I hate to say it sometimes, but, yeah, I just think that's going to be it. That's just, to me, the bold reality. That's the bold truth. And without further ado, guys, that is that. That is the end of today's podcast episode. Today was a bit shorter. Normally, we run for, like, hour 20, hour 30. We'll keep breaking down the games I'll have to come up with another series if we have a few in the making. If we have, like, our singing caps on, we have the stop process going. And, yeah, we're just going to see what to talk about tomorrow night. 
we're going to break down all the games that happen tomorrow and see who's who's really shining out, who's not, different things like that. Hopefully, there's some more breaking news. If not, we got October 4th, which is today, all of the NBA games to study for today, talk about for tomorrow. So, that's going to be exciting. Remember, you can find us at twitter.com slash courtsaheat, instagram.com slash courtsaheatNBA, facebook.com slash courtsaheat, tumblr.com slash courtsaheat, and of course, you can find us on Spotify, um, iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, uh, um, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, and all those different podcast um, stream platforms, different things like that. See you guys for watching, and without further ado, my Phoenix Suns are going to be back to NBA Finals. That's my bold prediction. I'll talk about that in another podcast episode, and without further ado, let's let the out. Music drop now. Yeah.